Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Good morning, everybody. Hey, can we welcome those joining us online and just give them a hand for being here with us. We love you. We're grateful for you today. We are continuing our series on the Word of God, and just a quick reminder before I get into this message, after second service, we're going to be having a baptism, and uh, something great today, I think we got like 15 folks who are being baptized, but the the great thing is this, is we've got a nine, uh, excuse me, we've got a four-year-old getting baptized, and we got a 94-year-old getting baptized. Isn't that fun? (laughs) It's great. I love it. I love it. Super fun. Well, guys, I'm really excited about this series as we are embarking this year into taking a year and spending it in the Word of God together. And so there is a plan that has been mapped out that we're going to beginning, we're going to be beginning as a church in March. And so these series or these messages running up to the beginning of March are to give you confidence and for you to understand the purpose or the why that we read the Bible. We had talked about how we can have confidence in Scripture because of the reliability. We've talked about the reliability of manuscripts. We've talked about the understanding of the Word of God that we can engage with it and it is God speaking to us. It's God's breath on a page. And it's been a powerful time so far. But I'm also really excited that, that as we prepare for the beginning of March, that, that our hearts begin to blossom and open and we see ourselves engaging with Scripture in a way that is brand new to us. What I'm going to share with you today is actually something that I hadn't planned on. I hadn't planned on sharing with you and It's been a real busy week, and as we've had a lot of stuff going on, and me personally in my life, and here at the church, and, but I, I, for me, I I was excited to come and be with you. This is one of, this is the highlight of my week. It's like what we say at the office every Monday morning, hey, Sunday's coming. Because we love being with you. I love being, I love teaching you the word of God. And I'm, I'm excited to grow in our relationship with God together. So as we, as we engage in, in this plan in March, it's, it, think about how cool it's going to be that you and I and people, all of us together that call this our church, are reading the same passages together. We're, we're asking the same questions of God about these passages we're engaging in, a, in, in some media from the Bible Project about these passages, and we're growing together. You as families are sitting down and taking 10 minutes with, with your family, and you're reading, you're asking questions, and you're praying, and you're instilling into your children and family. The Word of God is where us Christians build our lives on. And it's something that has been lacking in the church over the years. But this is going to be different that we're going to engage in a relationship with God that's going to be fresh and new. It's not boring. It's not this legalistic, oh, got to engage with God today. No, no. It's got, it, our engagement with God should be on fire. The only reason why it would not be is because of lies that we've believed about God and what he thinks about us. Therefore, by, because of shame and fear, we stay away from him. But that is not the case of our God. 
Many times in our relationship, and this is what I sense God wanted me to speak about today, many times in our relationship with God and our decision to engage in the word, in prayer, in worship, in attending church, in our gathering, in financially giving, in serving, we, because we're human, how many humans are here? Raise your hand if you're human. Okay, all right. Some of you, I didn't know you weren't human, but that's fine. It's fine. But when, when, when we engage, we, we, can, we can pick up a wrong thinking about God that actually keeps us from growing with him. Let me ask you a question this morning. When you think about the moment you take time to read your word. So think about that moment. You're going to take time. You're going to read the word and pray and talk to God. In your mind, where is God in that moment? Where is he? Where's the location of God? If we're not careful, we can think our engagement with God is all on us. It's about me coming to him. But this, this week the Lord spoke to me about something and it shook me. It actually really brought a brokenness to my heart. And it caused me to step back. And what the Lord spoke to me in a very gentle, loving way was this, and I heard, I heard this still small voice. It was, it was kind of out of nowhere. I wasn't thinking about things. And it was this, this phrase right here, Jason, I miss you. And I knew it was the Lord. And in the statement, uh, you see, I, I knew that I'd been busy doing things for God, leading for God, reading the Bible for God, doing for God. But I realized that I had lost sight that it wasn't me doing and going through all the motions, but here's the reality that that God was actually waiting for me in those things. I had maybe interactions with, with God, a formula that I used to live for him instead of a relationship to have with him. That, that's what I was wrestling with when, and realizing when God spoke to me. So when the Lord spoke to me and he said, Jason, I miss you, he was saying, son, I'm not a formula to be applied I'm a relationship to be experienced. And then the next thought I had was, a, it really ministered to me. And yes, God's spirit is with you. He's with me. It's in us, yes. But have you ever thought that when you come to his word, have you ever thought when you come to serving, when you, have you ever thought when you come to giving, when you come to, to whatever it is that, that, you are, that you are doing, have you ever thought that he's been waiting in expectation for you in that place 
as well. Yes, we, we walk with God every day, but there are moments that we set special time aside to meet with him. We come to God's word with expectation. When I come to the word of God, we co I come with expectation. When we read it every day, I come with expectation. When we start in March, I'm coming with expectation. But have you ever thought that he is also waiting in expectation to meet you in a special way? Have you ever thought that? Have you ever thought about God is waiting for you? And have you ever thought that your special engagement, your time with him, the moment that you come and gather, or the moment that you come to his word, that that ministers to him as well? You see, God is not a formula. He's a relationship. Religion makes God a formula. But God is not a formula. He's a relationship. Many times we come to God for relief, and there's nothing wrong with that, for a miracle, for an answer, to be rescued. But we can forget that he's not just an emergency fund to withdraw from. He is a person. And that person is God who created you on purpose, who made you, now listen to me today, who made you to be in relationship with him. He longs to meet with you. He longs to be with you. He longs for you to be with him. When we engage with the word, it's not about information. We can make it that way. And a lot of people make it that way. It's about information and details and this and this and this. And, and it's, it's great. But it's not about information. Not just about information about a God that's, that, that's out there. That we, 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 we can we get, see glimpses of him. And we go, wow, isn't that information great? It's about growing in our relationship with the living God who created us to know him. And he is waiting in expectation to reveal things about himself to you because he's not a formula. He is a relationship and he wants to reveal something about him fresh and new to you as well. He wants to reveal his words to you, direction for you. He wants to show you uh, something about his character you've never seen before. And this God who created the stars in the sky, he measures the universe by the span of his hand. When he speaks, things come into existence. The God who was the Alpha and the Omega, the God who before the universe ever existed, he was. That God waits eagerly in expectation 
to meet with you. And that is the simple first point is, is this, friends. In your relationship with God, God is waiting for you. James 4, verse 8, James writes, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. See, a relationship is, is the reality that both parties are waiting in expectation for the other. And you draw near to one another. Friends, don't ever think that God is out there somewhere or sitting back and not interested in your life and not interested in knowing you and speaking to you, understanding you in a fresh new way, letting you know he understands you. Don't ever think that, that God is somewhere out there and if we can just get his attention enough, he would just glance at us and we would be touched by his purpose or his glory. No, 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 no. You serve a God who is here, who is now, and in a, you were in a relationship with him through Jesus Christ and he is waiting to meet with you. There's a passage in the Bible and God begins to speak to the children of Israel after they had gone away. They had actually chosen to step out from underneath his, his attention. Though he was watching them, maybe the better way of saying it is his protection. It was their choice. And because God's, God has made us in his image, he's given us a choice. We can do that. And so the, the children of Israel chosen to step out from underneath his protection of, the, of his relationship with him. And because of their decisions, there were consequences. But God begins to speak, though, though while this is going on, while they are facing the consequences of their choice to God, get out of my life. And as, as they're being drug away by the consequences of their own sin. God, in his heart to be in relationship with his people, looks past their consequences to another time. And it's a time that they would come back to him. And so after they reap the consequences of their decisions, he sees the time. They would come to their senses. He sees the time that they would want to come to him, that they would want to come and meet with him. And so when he sees this, you can hear it in, his, in, the, in, the, in the verse that I'm about to read. He's been waiting for them in that place. And that's Jeremiah 29, verses 12 through 13. Then, then, after, after you, you finally come to the special place, to the place that I want to meet with you, to the place that I won't force you to come to, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your hearts. Friends, God is waiting for you. God wants to be found by you. He wants you, but he won't force you to come to him. And we need to understand in our life and our relationship with God that everything we do 
to engage with him, he's already there waiting on you. And what God was saying to the children of Israel is, is, listen, I know, and this was before this ever happened, so he prophetically saw in the future when they would come back to him. He said, you may not want a relationship with me now, but but please know this, when you do, I'm waiting for you. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17 And this is a chapter about wisdom, but really it's a chapter of of the revelation of God through his son Jesus Christ. says, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. Friends, this is not a God who's hiding from you. This is not a God who's off in the distance somewhere. This is a God who's eagerly waiting to meet you. And God wants you to know you don't have to wonder if he's waiting to meet with you. You don't have to to wonder in your heart, does God really want to grow in a relationship with me? He does. He really wants to engage in your life in unique, special times in these ways. He is waiting for you. And number two, today that God is waiting to reveal his glory to you. This is a term we hear a lot about the glory of God, but I, I don't think we understand it. I, I, I don't think we fully understand. Paul in 2 Corinthians says something that, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read in just a moment that should deeply humble every one of us. Paul tells us one of the most mind-blowing truths about the Christian life. I can't wrap my head around it because it doesn't make any sense to me. I know it's true, but I just, I, I don't get it. Why? And this is what Paul says, and he's writing to believers. He says this. And we all, with unveiled faces, take a look at this. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of God, now look at this, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit." Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. Now hang on. And we all, everybody say we all. So those of us who are in Christ, we all, go, go back to that, to the previous one, please. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Okay, so this blows my mind. So Paul is talking about this glory that we with unveiled faces. It sounds weird, doesn't it? Everybody just say yes. Okay, good, good. It's okay. That's weird. Okay, let's figure out why. Paul's saying this. Hey, listen, those of you who are in Christ, you have unveiled faces. 
and you are beholding. In other words, you're, you are looking, able to look at the glory of God. And when you do, you're being transformed in that same image. What are you looking at? You're looking at the glory of God. And that same image from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. In other words, there's a progression of glory. Now, what does this mean? Paul's referring to something that happened in the Old Testament. He's referring to something that was written about in Exodus. Moses, who was God's chosen leader for the children of Israel. Moses was the only one who could meet with God. Moses was the only one. He was the leader, the man, nobody else. Moses went on Mount Sinai. So this is what Paul's referring to. To meet with God. And when he met with God, when he, when he saw God through the cleft of the rock, it's where the law was given to the children of Israel, something weird happened. His face glowed from meeting with God. It was, for you women, it was the best bronzer you could ever get. What's weird is I know what bronzer is. But anyway, we move on. <laughs> Bizarre. That's not in my notes. That's free. You're welcome. Okay, here we go. So when Moses looked at God, his face glowed. I don't know if it was like, if those of you who grew up in the, in the 90s, remember the little glow worm, you squeeze him and his face glowed? Remember that? I don't know if it might have looked like that. Maybe it was the first glow worm. I don't know. But his face was radiating from him meeting with God. And so when he came down to tell the children of Israel what God said, Again, his face was glowing. And so what happened is it freaked people out. They were freaked out. God's people were like, your face is glowing. Do something about it. And so Moses put a veil over his face. So when Moses was with people, he put a veil on his face. But when Moses met with God, he took the veil off. So the people looked upon the glory of God on Moses' face, and they were scared. They looked at, they could tell something's going on on Mount Sinai. God's up there. Only Moses can go there. They were scared of the glory of God. So Paul is showing us that there's, a, there's an analogy. So stay with me this morning. Are you with me? Say yes. Okay. Paul's showing us that there's an analogy, there's a connection to us who believe in Jesus and to Moses. And it pertains to the glory of God. So when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, now, so catch this. When we put our trust in Jesus Christ, he removed the veil. He removed the veil so that we no longer had to be afraid of the glory of God. So the children of Israel, there was a veil between them and the glory of God in Moses' face. There, there's, there's all these little types and shadows, which some of these we're going to get into as we do a year of the Bible. If you also remember in the temple, there was a veil that separated the, God's glory 
from the rest of the temple. And God's glory was behind the veil. And only special people could go behind the veil and be in God's glory. Only Moses, the special person, could go up on the mountain and be exposed to God's glory. So Paul is saying when you put your trust in Jesus Christ, Jesus removes the veil that blinds our hearts from seeing God the veil that, that blinds our souls and our minds from seeing and beholding the glory of God. And so what Paul is saying that we, like Moses, can turn to the Lord. Now, now check this out. Can turn to the God of the universe, the Lord God Almighty, Yahweh himself, with unveiled faces with unveiled hearts and we can behold and we can fix our gaze on the very glory of God just like Moses. So now, now, now catch this. The, the result of both cases with Moses and with believers, according to Paul in this passage, that the beholder, the one who is gazing upon God's glory becomes transformed by the glory of God that they're looking at. So Paul says, now, now as we look at the glory of God, 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all with unveiled faces, as we look at the glory of God now as believers, followers of Jesus, and we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed in the same image. What image are we looking at? The glory of God. So we're being transformed into the glory of God from one degree of glory to another. So Paul is saying that now because of Jesus, we can look upon or behold the glory of God. And as we do, we are transformed into what we are looking at. But how? This transformation happens by, by the means of focusing, fixing our eyes on God's glory, fixing our eyes on God's character, fixing our eyes on God's promises, fixing our, our eyes on his heart, and we see him. These, this is that moment that you, at first we are transformed by, when, when you give your life to Jesus, the veil is removed. And I'll show you in just a moment. The veil is not removed until you put your faith in Jesus. The veil doesn't keep you from seeing Jesus, as some would preach or say. That is a lie. The veil is removed when you put your faith in Jesus. It's removed, and then you see the glory of, of God through Jesus. But this is when we come and we meet with him. Like Moses, when Moses met with God on Mount, Mount Sinai, the result was his face radiated 
from what he was gazing upon, which was God's glory. It transformed, now, now, now catch me for a second, it transformed his physical face. And it was only temporary. It was just temporary. So it just transformed his cosmetic whatever, his face, and it only lasted for a little bit. So Paul goes on to say that us who believe in Jesus Christ says this in verse 13, we are not like Moses. Everybody say, not like Moses. Who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of, look, what was being brought to an end. So it was, it was physical and only temporary. That th this, this manifestation of God's glory that we see of Moses and Mount Sinai, it was coming to an end. And the glory of God on Moses' face, now, now listen to me, it's a, it was a little tiny glimpse of what would be made available through Jesus Christ. Not for just one person like Moses, but for all who put their trust in Jesus Christ. So when Moses met with God, only his physical face radiated from this encounter with God. It wasn't his whole being, just his face. And it soon faded away because there was, there was, there was a veil on their hearts, even Moses, that would not allow Moses to be fully transformed by God's glory and would not allow the Jews to look upon God's glory either. It was a physical thing, temporary. So God is letting us know through this passage through Paul, that now because of the work of Jesus, when we turn to God through Jesus Christ, when we give our lives to him, a veil is lifted from our lives. And this allows the glory of God, now listen, the glory of God to flood our whole being, to give us new hearts, to give us new minds, and allows us to see God as our father. And now we can radiate that same glory that has been, that's been given to us through our lives. But what about this ongoing transformation? At salvation, you, the veil is lifted and you see God's glory for what he is. You see what he's done for you. You see his kindness and his character. You receive the spirit in your life and you gaze upon God's glory. But what about this ongoing thing? From one glory to another glory. How do you do that? How are we continually transformed? Do we have to go to Mount Sinai and find God there? How do we behold the glory of God and be transformed from one glory to another? How do you gaze upon God's glory in the new covenant? Paul goes on to say that the Jews of his day so remember, the old, the, the old covenant was, was gone. It had passed away. It, it had come to an end. It had come to an end. And so now the new covenant was applied to the whole world. So Paul goes on to say that the Jews of his day, which he's in the new covenant, who do not believe in Jesus, cannot experience God's glory. They cannot. I want you to see what, what they're looking at, though, 
when he's, when he's referring to this. They're looking at something to try to see God's glory, but they're unable to see it because they have not put their trust in Jesus. So a veil blocks God's glory from what Paul's talking about. Now look at this, verse 14. He says, to this day, excuse me, when they, meaning the Jews, read the old covenant, when they read the scriptures, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. So what are they reading? What are they looking at to view God's glory? What are they looking at? The scriptures. They're looking at the word of God to view God's glory and they can't see it because you can't see God's glory unless you put your trust in Jesus Christ because you're under the the new covenant. So Paul is talking about us being transformed by God's glory. How? When we read the Bible. When we read the Bible, that is when we engage and view and look upon and gaze upon the glory of God. So without Christ, a veil remains. But in Christ, a veil is lifted. And now you can gaze upon the glory of God in the reading of scriptures. When you read the word of God and the illumination of the spirit, you see God's glory in the Garden of Eden. And as mankind rebels, you see God's glory as he's making a plan to bring mankind back to himself. You gaze upon the glory of God as Moses and all the prophets, you see God's glory seeking mankind, loving mankind, raising up a people group to bring the Savior of the world through those people groups, through that people group, to the rest of the world into the new covenant. You see the the glory of God in the Passover lamb of Exodus and the blood that's on the door of the Hebrews is a type and a shadow of the blood that's on the cross that's going to be applied to my heart. You see the glory of God and the story of God and you are transformed by the goodness and the glory of God, by his kindness, by his purpose because he had me in his mind when I was born because he has a purpose for me. He created me to know him and as I read his word, I am transformed by his glory. You see the glory of God in the book of Numbers as God's people were rebelling and sinning and complaining. And as a result, serpents began to bring death to them. But God instructed Moses to fashion a bronze pole with an image of a serpent on it. It's strange, but that's what God said to do. Why? Well, In Numbers, all who looked upon that pole with the strange serpent would be healed. And so all of a sudden, the veil's lifted as a believer in Jesus, and you see the glory of God is when Jesus likened himself to the serpent in John chapter 3, a serpent that was cursed. Like the serpent, Jesus took the curse for us. You see that glory, and you say, oh God, thank you. 
like the bronze serpent on a, on a pole from numbers, now you see that Jesus was hanged on a tree for all to gaze upon him and you would be healed and set free. You see that glory and it changes you. So now with Christ, verse 18, we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that same image. When you give your life to Jesus, the veil is lifted. You're able to gaze upon the glory of God just like Moses. And you behold his glory. You look at the goodness of God. You worship him. You come to his word and he's waiting for you. His glory is shining just as Moses went to Mount Sinai. God was waiting for him. As you come to engage in the word of God over this year, God is waiting for you. He's waiting for his glory to change your mind. For his glory to, to begin to reflect from your heart from, to your relationships. His glory to, to not just radiate on your face, but to change you from the inside out. A changed face is great, but a changed heart means everything in your life changes. And you receive that through putting your faith in Jesus Christ. That is where the veil is lifted. But the glory of God that you encounter, that you go from one glory to another glory to another glory to another glory comes from you engaging in the word of God and engaging with the God of the universe who calls you to know him more. He is waiting for you, friends. And his, as you engage in his word, as you grow in your relationship with him, as you recognize he's not somewhere some, doing something else and maybe if you do enough good stuff, you'll get his attention. No, no, no. If you realize he's waiting. And when you wake up in the morning, he's waiting. When you come with your coffee and your, in the Bible in the morning, he's waiting to speak to you. His presence is dwelling, it's pulsing in your heart. It's waiting to transform your mind into his. Your heart becomes his heart. Your desires become his desires. He changes your whole life. Not by osmosis, by you engaging and gazing upon his glory. He changes our whole lives. And he waits and longs to take you from one glory to another glory. Again and again and again and again and again and again. Your level of transformation this coming year will be directly connected to the time you spend with God through his son Jesus Christ with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit gazing upon God's glory in his word.
But remember, God is not a formula. He's a relationship. And friends, he's waiting for you. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today and we're grateful that you are waiting for us. You're eager to reveal your glory. You're not hiding anything. And because of your son, the veil of our hearts has been lifted. And now we can encounter your glory. Lord, I ask you today that all of us in this room and joining us online, that we would leave here with an assurance that you're with us, but you're also waiting for us. You know us better than we know ourselves. You know what we need more than we know ourselves. And Lord, today we admit that our minds need a a good dose of your glory. Our hearts need to encounter and gaze upon your glory. Our lives, our attitudes, our emotions, our beings, our whole body is to gaze upon your glory and be transformed. So Lord, this year, even starting today, we come to these special places and we lift our eyes to gaze upon your glory. And we are in awe of who you are. We are not afraid. We are not scared. But we come with unveiled hearts boldly into your throne room of grace. And we say, show me your glory, O God. Show me your glory in the words of your Bible. Show me your glory in the presence of your spirit. Transform me. And so, Lord, we commit to you today that we are going to engage more in coming to you and just reading your word, letting your word wash over us, wash our minds, finding you in these pages and marveling at your glory and being transformed from one glory to another. Thank you, Lord, that you're waiting. And thank you that your glory is waiting to be gazed at. In Jesus' name. Just remain with your heads bowed for a moment. If you're here today and you would recognize that you can sense the Holy Spirit right now revealing to you that you have a veil over your heart, that you do not know Jesus, and you recognize that God is drawing you for you to put your trust in what he has done for you and give your life to him. If that's you today, nobody's looking around, just raise your hand right where you are. Just lift it up right now. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen, thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Bless you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. Thank you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And this prayer is coming to the realization of what Jesus has done. And you confess it with your mouth. And you believe it in your heart. And you receive what Jesus has done for you. And we're going to all pray it together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for being the curse for me. I put my trust in you. Thank you for raising from the dead. And thank you for drawing me this morning. I submit to you and I give you my life. Do with me whatever you choose. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand today? Amen. Many, many of you raised your hand. I just want to ask you to do me a huge favor. You were not meant to walk this journey alone. And right in front of you is that QR code. You can just scan that and that'll bring you to the place that you can give us your information. We would love to walk with you on a journey as you grow in your relationship with God and gaze upon his glory. We would love to do it with you. So if you could do that, we'd be very honored that you would do that. Let's all stand to our feet. I'd love to pray over you and bless you today. If you have any prayer requests or if you want any of our prayer team to pray with you at the end of service, they're going to be here and they would be honored to agree with you in prayer. But if you can, lift your hands to the Lord and I'd like to pray a prayer of blessing over your life today. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would bless your people. You would encourage them. You would strengthen them. Lord, I ask you today that they would see your glory, that they wouldn't read the scriptures just to get it done, but they would read it to discover you. That, Lord, today they would leave here knowing deep in their hearts that you're waiting for them in that special place. May you minister to them, strengthen them, heal every heart that's broken, minister to every relationship that's fractured through pain and unforgiveness and just bring a warmth over them today. God, I pray for our teenagers and our young adults that you would strengthen them with the courage from the book of Acts, that they would stand strong as men and women of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they would be lights that shine bright in the darkness. May we leave here today knowing farewell that you called us as missionaries to wherever we go. Bless your people, strengthen them, and heal them today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.